Okay, so today the scripture is from Luke 24, verses 1 to 12, I believe. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They had found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told them these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to... Uh, seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves and went home marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this day to celebrate the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. As we open our hearts and minds to your word, we pray that you will speak to us and reveal to us the wonderful benefits we have received in Jesus through his resurrection. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we celebrate the greatest event in the history of the world. The resurrection of Jesus Christ in Luke 24, verses 1 to 12, we read about how the women went to the tomb and found it empty and were told by two angels that Jesus had risen just as he had promised. And this morning, we will examine how Jesus fulfilled his promise of resurrection, and what this means for us. So the fulfillment of Jesus' promises, promise of his resurrection, we have three evidence that we are going to see in this scripture. The first evidence of Jesus fulfilling his promise is found in the empty tomb. The women who had come to anoint Jesus' body found the tomb empty. And they were perplexed. They were surprised. They were amazed. 
Luke chapter 24, verse 2 and 3 says, And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was a shocking discovery for the women. But it was also an evidence of the fulfillment of Jesus' promises. Through his ministry, Jesus spoke openly about his impending death and resurrection. Jesus spoke even or even predicted the exact day on which he would rise again. If you remember in Matthew chapter 12, verses 40 says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So why the surprise? It was predicted by Jesus himself. In the Gospel of Luke, we find three times Jesus predicted his death. The first time is in Luke chapter 9, verse 22. And it says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. So why the surprise? The second time in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 44, again, Jesus said, let these words sink into your ears. Notice, notice how Jesus is making sure that they are paying attention. He's like, wake up. Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But the third time, just one week before Jesus' Jesus's triumphal entry to Jerusalem, one week before of Palm Sunday, in Luke chapter 18, verses 31 and 33, Jesus said to Jesus did this, and taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And verse 33 says, And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. You see, the empty tomb, even when it was shocking and surprising, is evidence that Jesus kept his promise to rise Again, I wonder why the disciples were not 
everybody around the tomb celebrating. He did it. Yes, he is alive. No, they were shocked. But this was a fulfillment of Jesus' promise to rise from the dead. But the second evidence of Jesus fulfilling his promise is found in the proclamation of the angels. The women encountered two angels who proclaimed that Jesus had risen. Notice what it says in verse 5 and 6 in the chapter that we are reading Meditating this morning, chapter 24 and verse 5 and 6. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men, the angels, said to them, Why do you seek the living among the death? He's not here, but he has risen. Remember, how he told you while he was still in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. They are quoting. Don't ask me how they were quoting Jesus' words. Probably they were present or Jesus told them, go and tell them what I said. The fact that Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection shows that he is who he claimed to be, the Son of God. And therefore, he is able to fulfill his promise. But the fact that the angels quoted Jesus' words show that his words were not a man's empty claim, but the fulfillment of prophecy and therefore again he is who he claimed to be the son of god that is the second evidence the third evidence third evidence of jesus fulfilling his promise is found in the disciples response the women reported that they had seen and heard to the disciples, but the disciples were initially skeptical. And that's what we read in verse 11. But these words seemed to them as idle tale, and they did not believe them. However, eventually, the disciples came to believe Look what Peter did in verse 12. But Peter's, Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had, at what had happened. Despite their initial disbelief, the disciples eventually believed in Jesus' resurrection. In Luke, in the same chapter, in verses 25 and 
in, in 27, Jesus appears to the disciples on the road to Emmaus and explains the scriptures to them, helping them to understand that his death and resurrection were part of God's plan. And later in the same chapter, 24 and verses 36 to 43, Jesus appeared to the disciples in Jerusalem and showed them his wounds, proving that he has truly risen from the dead. They were not, they were, there was no doubt that Jesus was alive for the disciples. In John, we read the part when Thomas was doubting still. And Jesus invited him to touch his wounds. And at the end, when Thomas touched and saw Jesus, he declared, My Lord and my God. There, were, there was no doubt anymore about Jesus fulfilling his promise of his own resurrection. So the question is, what is the significance of Jesus' promise of resurrection for us? There are many. There are many through the scriptures. But let me tell you about two of them. First, Jesus' promise of his resurrection gives us assurance of our salvation. Romans, the passage that Bert read this morning, and I will, I will read again, Romans chapter 4, verses 25, says that Jesus was delivered up he was crucified for, crucified for our trespasses. And later in the same verse says, and raised for our justification. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, this is what, is, this is what it happened. This is what happened. Our sins are moved into Jesus' account and the righteousness, the perfect life of obedience of Christ is credited to us. And that's what you are reading in that verse. In the cross, our sins were put on Jesus and in His, in his resurrection, we are transferred the justice of Jesus. We are justified. There is no more separation between you and God. You have been declared just. Instead of God saying, my son is just. Now he's saying, you are just. Because of Jesus. 
So, that is what Paul is trying to explain to the believers in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 35. And it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who will tell you that you are not just before God? Who will tell you that you haven't been justified by God? And it says at the end of that question, it is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died. And more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. How he can intercede for us? It's because he is alive. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Those are questions. And the response is, I know nothing. Through Jesus' resurrection, we have the forgiveness of sin and the reconciliation with God. We are declared just. Nothing in heaven and on earth will separate us from Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. Second, Jesus promise of his resurrection gives us confidence and hope that we too will overcome death and experience eternal life with him and then is when all of us we should be like what romans 8, 11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. I, I don't know how to explain this. But one day, this verse is telling us that you and I, we're going to have a glorified body like Jesus have a glorified body now. 
this mortality will end because Jesus fulfilled his promise to raise from the dead. I know that you look at you every morning at the mirror. And I know that you look like me. All my imperfections in that mirror. All the things that you want to change. All size. <laughs> oh, but that day. Because Jesus raised from the dead, you too will have a glorified body. I don't know how to explain it, but look, Jesus was in one place, and another moment, he was in another place. That's a glorified body. And then, in the next time, he was sitting, cooking fish, and inviting the disciples to come and eat with him. And Elise told me, so we are going to eat in heaven. And I said, yes. With a glorified body, with, which means no sin in your body, no imperfection in your body, no limitations in your body, just because Jesus fulfilled his promise to raise from the dead. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 and 58 says, When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? You think that's the end? No! Oh, death, where is your sting? 56 says, the sting of death is sin. So then, no more sin. And the power of sin, it's the law. We always fail, but no more. 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You can live now your life with your eyes on the eternity. Let me give you three applications of Jesus' promises for, for you and for me. First of Jesus first application of Jesus' promises, promise of his resurrection is to trust him. Very simple, eh? 
Jesus fulfilled his promise to rise from the dead and we can trust in his promises that are for us in the scriptures as well. Because that, just, that was just one of his promises. There are many more. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him, in Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. The future is bright for all who believe in Jesus. Yes, let me repeat that to you. The future is bright for all those who believe in Jesus. The future is bright for those who look beyond the material, tangible, and temporal. He has promised that he is coming for a second time and he and we have no reason to doubt of him. He promised once that he would come back from the dead and he did it. Therefore, we can have the assurance that he will fulfill his promise again this time. He's coming for a second time. Do you believe it? I love when we were singing at the beginning that his heart is beating. You know that his heart is beating right now when he's, he has a heart and he's beating for you and for me. And every beat is one less beat for his return. He will come. He will come again. The second application of Jesus' promise of his resurrection is to live in light of his promises. Jesus' resurrection is the foundation of our faith and we should live in light of these truths. Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. It's like when you are seeking the signal of internet. Seek. And then, in, this, in the next part, it says, And set your minds on things that are above. You see, you seek the signal, and then you connect to the signal. Set. Connect your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Living in the light of the truth of Christ's resurrection means 
making intentional choices that align, connect with our faith. So how can we set our minds on the things that are above? Well, this may include prioritizing personal and collective time for worship, prayer, and fellowship. You connect. You spend time in the scriptures where our eyes are elevated to Jesus' promises. You seek opportunities to serve others. You live a life of integrity and honesty. It also means to letting go, letting go of early, earthly attachments and desires that distract us from our relationship with God. That is the meaning of seek the things above. There are many more that the Lord will reveal to you. And finally, his resurrection calls us to share these good news to others. You remember the last words of Jesus when he was with his disciples. He told them, go therefore, now that I am alive, now that I am here with you, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded to you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The truth of Jesus' resurrection calls us to share this good news with others. We can do this through various means personal conversation with friends and family at work or social events or maybe supporting mission work. Sharing our faith may not always be easy, but we can always trust in Jesus' promises to be with us. I am with you always said Jesus. He can always be with us only because he is not dead. He is alive. So we can give, so he can give us the strength, the boldness, and the courage to tell the world that Christ is risen. He is risen Indeed. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead, just as he promised. We pray that this knowledge of Jesus' resurrection will strengthen our faith in Encourage us to live a life that honors you. We pray that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit 
to live as witnesses of Jesus' resurrection and to share the good news with those around us. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and for the assurance that one day we will see him, we will see his face. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So please, let us stand together and let's sing this closing song, Christ is Risen.